Both of the 2019 Stanley Cup finalists have been eliminated. Another powerhouse was knocked out in round two thanks to a big performance from an unlikely source. Vancouver left their mark in the Edmonton bubble, which is where the Eastern Conference teams will be completing their season no matter what happens. Who has the edge heading into the final four? And what do we make of a very exciting round two? Episode 235 of the Lace Up Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Uh-huh. For the average hockey fan, a round two was very, very fun. Uh, for Brett's Bruins, not so much. Their season's over. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a strange time because I had a. I, I'm I'm a bit better today than I was uh, after that game, but. Um, and it, it was well, too. Ex- yeah. Digest it. So that yeah, helps. yeah, that's true. And I had like kind of expected it already because I think last episode I was thinking like, oh, they're gonna lose one of these games. Um, <clears throat> and like it was interesting because as soon as the overtime, like I was just like thinking of like, okay, just just lose now and get it over with, so I don't like raise my expectations. But it was too late by overtime because I was like, "All right, let's just win one one game, and who knows?" And I think, I think the two thousand four Red Sox have spoiled me, honestly. So it's just like, I was, <laughs> I was thinking like, "Oh, the, like the Bruins? So who knows? Comeback is possible." Yeah, exactly. And I was like, "I don't know. The Bruins could come back, maybe." Um, but they didn't get the overtime thing, and um, so that was a, a bit unfortunate. But yeah, it's um, and then. Slowly afterwards, I, I know Canadians who listen to this don't get it, but Doc Emmerich, who was calling the game, they did the handshake line, and instead of like talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning and how good they they were in the series and and whatnot, all they could talk about was this Dano Chara, um, yeah, and possibly retiring. That was great. And I was just like, so then that, like, I was more, like, all season, I mean, you know, we've, I've been focusing purely on the brew, like, Krug leaving, uh, which I think is going to happen. But then, like, yeah. when Doc said that, it made it seem like, like, he knew something that was, that was going to happen, like, that we didn't know. And then all of a sudden, I got, like, crazy, because I was thinking, oh god chara might be gone and then all of a sudden like these are like like chara was pretty much like i grew up with him um so i was like oh god like then i was thinking like oh soon like bergeron's gonna retire and then marshawn's gonna retire and then krejci's gonna retire and then you don't have a window left and all that stuff and obviously chara hasn't been as good as or his role changed in the last couple of weeks but our last couple seasons but yeah, it was just like he he added this culture change to to Boston, but then um, and I was like, I was just like, oh god, like how are we going to survive without him because of his leadership and all that stuff, um, and um, and then um, and then it turns out that Charles said that he's probably going to stay with the team, um, so so there's that, but. Um, so I'm more 
I'm I'm okay. I'm in better spirits, but still, I was just like, oh god, now I'll, the core might be done with, um, and I'm still left with like a what if scenario, of like, oh, what if this pandemic didn't happen and the Bruins just went to the playoffs right away? They would have been more hot. They would have had a Tuka Rask, and then and then you realize like you know things are things, and uh, the Bruins just didn't have it at the end of the day so um all right well that takes us into our uh eliminated teams obituaries um so i have like three questions here and i think we'll cover all four of these eliminated teams in these three questions but um so who's in the best shape um i have also who's in the worst shape um in the off season and are any of these teams windows closing <laughs> that last one's more directly so I can talk about the Bruins. Um, but um, so for who's in the best shape, I think I think Colorado and Vancouver are. Uh, for Vancouver, um, they were just, I mean, they, in a normal season, they would have been like, uh, you know, they would have just squeaked in to the playoffs. I think they would have been like, they were third in the central, I mean, sorry, Pacific. Um, so, and I think they, um, they did that, but again, they have the best 21 year old in Elias Pedersen. They have the best, um, 20 year old in Quinn Hughes. Um, and they lost and they like, and they got like Thatcher Demko into like, um, and Thatcher Demko was standing on his head for like two games, basically, um, against like a really really good Vegas Golden Knights team um and not to mention like Brock Besser and uh Brock Besser was back and um so they were they're they're in pretty good shape um I do think that they need to worry about like I don't know what they're going to do with Jacob Markstrom now that Thatcher Temko did really really well in the playoffs um I think they also need to figure out some defense stuff too um yeah, Quinn Hughes is obviously really good and um, helps out. And Edler and Tyler Myers are good too, but I feel like they need more depth defensemen out there. Um, I'm not sure if Christopher Tanev are the guy there, although I guess they don't necessarily have to worry about him anymore considering he's a UFA. So there's that. But I think just from like the forward standpoint and the goalie standpoint, like anything they won... This um, this playoffs was uh, was a victory against the Vegas Golden Knights. They no one expected them to go this far. Um, and then I mentioned, yeah. oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Continue, continue. I, I was just gonna say the other team that I think is in pretty good shape is the Colorado Avalanche. Oh yeah. Um, and they. Oh um, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I mean they they have a couple of UFAs and R um and RFAs uh, this coming off season, but the only one that's really of note that they should sign um, is uh, Andre Burakovsky, and um, all the other ones are not. But like Nathan McKinnon has like during these playoffs, even though he lost, they um, still. Like, he showed that he could be up there. He could be considered with the McDavid's and the Drysaddles of the world. Um, and Kale McCarr is, of course, really good, too. 
Um, and also, like, you know, they, they, they didn't just lose Philip Grubauer. They lost Pavel Frankus as well. Um, and they were, you know, like, yeah, they have Miko Rantanen and McKinnon and Landeskog, um, but also, like, Nazem Kadri showed up, Burakovsky showed up, and so did, um, there was another one. Oh, um, Nichushkin had, had his moments as well. So, um, so, like, that was kind of what the Avalanche needed is more depth forwards, and, um, and all three kind of worked out. Maybe not Nichushkin, but Nazem Kadri and um, and, uh, and and Burakovsky did for sure. Sorry, now you can go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. All great points. I would say the teams uh, that are in the best position. Um, Colorado is an interesting name because. Um, I think their window to an extent has a limit. Um, their window with this, with with the portion of this current group with the likes of, you know, Burakovsky on cheap deals and um, and, and role guys like uh, Don Skoy and, and Belmar, um, that is only gonna last for a couple more years because you're gonna have to pay Gabriel Landis Cog within yep. the next year or so and then when McKinnon's contract ends, and I think it's like three seasons, the next three seasons, they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. After that, when they have to pay him, they're going to feel the crunch. So yeah. their window to win with the pieces in place, with the salaries in place, is within the next two to three years. Yep. And you also have to pay Kale McCarr, and then you'll have Bo and Byron in the mix on top of that. So right. it's going to add up eventually. Um, True. The one thing that I think Colorado might be willing to explore, I think they should explore, is an upgrading goal. And it's not to say that Pavel Francouz can't do the job. It's not saying Philip Grubauer can't do the job. They need a goaltender that can play games. And sorry if this is a dig at Grubauer, stay healthy. Right. Because Grubauer was hurt multiple times this year. I think not having that consistent goalie that you can always go to in any situation kind of hurt the avalanche and yeah they got wins with michael hutchinson he got the same amount of playoff wins as the leafs got play in wins you know that's yeah. that's a win and they can win with any goalie and that's great and the fact that nazim kadri had an awesome playoffs the fact that andre burkowski had an awesome season and had an awesome playoffs on top of that that's awesome nathan mckinnon as usual is a beast the only time he didn't get a point in this postseason was the night that he got eliminated. Yeah. He went on a 14 game point streak and it ended game seven against Dallas in overtime. Yeah. So what, what, what else could you ask for him? He was great. Uh, Kale McCard, that awful giveaway, unfortunately that cost them game four. He bounces back with the eventual game winner a couple of nights later. Yep. So this team has character. They have the ability to play through injuries. They didn't have Landis Cog in Game 7. They didn't have Don Skoy in Game 7. They didn't have Matt Calvert in Game 7. They didn't have Francis or Grubauer. They had Michael Hutchinson and, and uh, Hunter Miska if Hutchinson couldn't go somehow. Yeah. And they still forced Dallas into overtime. And they almost won that game, if not for an undrafted finish forward named Joel Kiviranta. Yep. That's all that was standing in their way. So 
they have a lot to be proud of. I think this is another stepping stone to get to where they want to be. You need to lose sometimes before you're able to win the big prize. It happened with a lot of the NHL's greatest teams that we can't stop talking about. It happened with the Islanders, happened with the Oilers. Um, I'm sure Maple Leafs fans are hoping it, it eventually all that pain is going to be worth it at the end. Yeah. Um, and I think it will be worth it in the end for Colorado. They will get better from this for sure. I think they target Robin Leonard in free agency. Ooh, I honestly believe two or three year deal even I bring him aboard and take advantage of this window. So um, Colorado's looking pretty good. Um, I don't think Boston's window is shrinking at all. Uh, even if Krug leaves, um, even if Chara leaves, they still have the core of Bergeron and Marchand. Yep. Pasternak, who great leaps and bounds. They still have David Krejci offering some leadership as well. The young guys like McAvoy are there. DeBrusque um, had expectations for himself set pretty high this year. Um, I have a feeling he's going to be better. Uh, if Krug leaves, they have some salary cap to spend. Maybe they go up and get someone like Tyler Toffoli to get some winger depth. Yep. Um, they also have young defensemen like Vakaninen. Uh, in the fold, uh, Jack Akan is another one. Yep. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Hopefully I, I didn't so. butcher it. Um, and they still have Raskin Halak for one more year. So um, I think overall their team is still looking pretty strong compared to a lot of other contenders like Toronto, like Pittsburgh, like Edmonton even. I think Boston is still in, in pretty good shape. If I had to pick out of the four teams that could see their window closing, I would probably say Philadelphia. Okay. Um, as good as Kevin Hayes was playing in the playoffs, James Van Riemsdyk didn't really get it done in the regular season or the playoffs. Yeah, injuries got in the way a little bit, but not matching up to the seven million he's getting every single year. Um, Claude Giroux didn't have horrific numbers in the playoffs, but two goals in his last 28 playoff games, not particularly fantastic, unfortunately. Um, and then you look at Jacob Voracek, I think he had like one assist in that Islanders series. Um, so that's a lot of money committed to a lot of players. They're paying Konechny, they're paying uh, Provorov uh, significant money. At In the next year or so, they're going to have to do the same with Carter Hart as well. Yeah. Um, I think Voracek, JVR, Ghost Bear, maybe one or two of them at least um, are going to be dangled yeah. uh, this offseason. I think uh, Philly still has some work to do to get to where they want to be. They obviously um, improved greatly from last year. They almost knocked off uh, Washington towards um, the middle point of March when the pandemic happened. They were knocking on Washington's doorstep for the division title. They lost by one point. Um, they won the round robin, obviously, and got the number one seed. Um, but they still have a long way to go before they can become champions. And as for Vancouver, for a team that didn't have playoff experience for 10 of their guys, including both of their goalies, uh, Thatcher Demko, man, like he was on yep. some kind of role in games five, six, and seven, the way he played. Um, Vancouver probably should have been dead in the water after game five. Yep. Um, but this is a young team that found a way to win those games. They probably shouldn't have won. And I think they really grew from that experience and they should be very very proud okay 
So this is kind of this was disorganized because I talked about two teams and you talked about all four. That's <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, as for color, I'll just say my stuff just really quickly. Um, that would be interesting for Colorado with um, Fran, like, getting Robin Leonard. I hadn't thought about that, but I, I could see that, I guess. Um, you kind of talked me into that. Um, I feel like for Col- Colorado, they're in pretty good shape still. Um, I think, though, that their window... Um, you said that their window is closing. I don't think so, just because I feel like um, Mika Rantanen, well, first off, Mika Rantanen, uh, Nathan McKinnon, and Burakovsky had the most points in the second round, which is impressive in its own right, um, out of every every player in the league. Um, and I, I think they have a, a couple of, like, cap room stuff to deal with, but, like, still, like, most of their core players are still pretty young. Uh, McKinnon's 25, Rantanen's 23, Kael McCarr is 21, Landeskog is 27, so he's he's sort of on the end of his prime, but he still should be decent um, in the next couple of years. Um, so I think they're, they're, they're in good shape. Um, I should probably clarify my, my statement a little bit. I don't like, obviously those guys are going to be contenders for a while. Like the Bruins have been yeah. with Bergeron and Marshall and Pasternak. But in terms of those cap friendly deals where they can fit in guys like Kadri and Burakovsky right. and Ryan Graves That's and fair. the entry level guys that they have with the guys like McKinnon and Landis Gog on those cheap deals. That's they fair. only have a couple more years of that before they have to pay meaningful NHL big boy money yep. to a lot of those guys at the same time. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, Landis Gog's gonna has one more year left. Uh, McKinnon has three more years left, as you mentioned, on really, really good deals right there. Which so, is why I think they take a yeah. shot at Leonard if they can. And that's not even to mention that Bowen Byram hasn't even been in the yeah. mix alex newhook is another one so yeah um, so yeah so that's that's Cout a good point well. and He's who known. martin cout oh yeah cout um also justice on union as well mm-hmm. so so yeah they're they're in good shape but yeah i think yeah you're right in terms of like having to be like the toronto maple Leafs where they pay extra amount for their big stars yeah they 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 don't they have a couple more years left for that so um but i i still think they'll they'll be okay just managing everything um it's just like the goalie issue may be more of a problem than we had originally thought um yeah especially in that tough division as well yeah where not too many inches are given or taken yeah um you really you really need those ex factors to be really really good which yeah. Burakovsky was which Kadri was but right. I think to take that next step a uh, goalie like Leonard could help a long way for Colorado yep um, as for Philadelphia I think it's um, it's a little bit uh, yeah it, it reminded me a lot like Vancouver was this year too or, or this playoff bubble team as well because it seemed like Carter Hart was pulling off like a Thatcher Demko type of stuff because like 
the Islanders just kept on shooting at Carter Hart, and he couldn't do anything yeah, about game, it. Game six yeah. is where Philly probably should have lost. And also, uh, what should be noted is Sean Couturier like was out the last two games, and he's their best player. So, like, that's Actually, also something. I think he played game seven. He was absent okay. for game six, but I'm pretty sure he yeah, played yeah. game seven. But, like, I don't think he was 100%. Um, yeah. So, so there's that to, to consider. Um, and, yeah, I agree. I think, like, guys like Jacob Voracek and Claude Giroux um, should be, like, they're, I mean, yeah, they're, they're now 31 and 32, respectively. Um, but, like, you know, they're, they're being paid $8 million now, and they're not, um, and the point totals weren't there at all this this series or even in the previous series when they played Montreal so um so yeah that that may have something that may be something in the future and you mentioned JVR is another one to get on uh good news though is I think you turned around on Kevin Hayes during this playoffs because <laughs> because it yeah, seemed like he was no, the only one who was who was really doing anything other than Provorov and Carter Hart. scoring in the yeah. Islanders series. He had six points in six games. Three of those yeah. were goals. Uh, the only thing that, I mean, I think this is a, a weird thing, and I can go on a tangent because I was, like, I have Ghost Bear in one of my dynasty leagues, and I'm now, like, screaming at AV, like, wondering why, what, what Ghost Bear did to AV to, like, be a healthy scratch for most of the playoffs. And it's also, it wasn't even that, like, I was just checking his stats, like, during the playoffs. It wasn't even that he was that bad. It's just, like, they're not even using Ghost Bear at all um, during the playoffs. He had, uh, let me look here uh, quickly. He had two points in five games that he played in the playoffs. And um, and <laughs> that's pretty good. That's someone that you kind of need, especially when they weren't even scoring that much. It's just that that frustrated me too. I think he even played fifty games the regular season. Yeah, I mean, like, to if you be, look at his regular season stats, yeah. I don't think he even had twenty points. To be fair, he was injured for a bit, so that there's that. But like, mm -hmm. I, I remember but there was still, he was healthy scratch. Yeah, I remember when he was on my team. There was there were moments when I was like looking just to make sure that he was playing or not, and pretty much most of the times he was healthy scratch, and it was just like. What are you doing, Av? Like, what what are you doing? Um, so so I think like I don't know what Shane Ghost Despair did uh, to get into the doghouse so much for Av that like he's not even he's now a seventh defenseman, which doesn't make any sense at all. So now I wonder what's what's going to happen to him. I feel like he's going to go he's, to he's a different team. Like he's if they're going to if they're going to keep doing that the yeah. into next year. Just trade the guy. Like, he doesn't deserve that. Exactly. Like, give him to a team that's going to play him. Right. So um, so that's where I get, like, <laughs> I, I, I feel like they're going to do that or they're going to, like, um, do the same thing this season and then have, and then give him to Seattle or something um, and just leave yeah. him open in Seattle, um, <laughs> which would be – um, which would be interesting, but it's just like, what are you doing, Av? I don't understand. I, he is a good coach because uh, the Flyers were like a bad team the year before that, but um, but yeah, it just seems like a crazy thing to just uh, like, what are you doing with that? 
Um, also, good thing for Oscar Limbaum to play after he uh, had chemotherapy and hadn't played or had can was diagnosed with cancer um, yeah. and, and played. So that was nice to see. Um, mm -hmm. And then also shout out to Nicholas Abe Kubel and uh, Scott Lawton, who kind of both made names for themselves um, in this in these playoffs. So. That was good to see. I as think well. I think guys like that are going to be huge yeah. for the Flyers moving forward. They need those depth guys to yeah. step up. I think if Joel Faraby, Morgan Frost yeah. uh, can make impacts like that next year, uh, Cam York in a couple of years down the road True. on the back end, and you also have Nolan Patrick, who, speaking of going through a lot, he's gone through a lot injury. Nolan Patrick's wise. another one, yeah. Um, yeah. So I I hope he has a bounce back year as well. But yeah, yeah. those depth guys. Um, for Philly to be this good again, they're going to have to continue elevating their game as well. Yeah, you, you mentioned Cam York, Farabee, and uh, Nolan Patrick. Those are good options uh, for uh, the future of the Flyers. But like they also they they have a, a lot of guys like Morgan Frost, as you mentioned as well. So they're in good shape. Or Bobby Brink's another one. So right, yep. So they they'll, they'll be in good shape, but I'm um, in the future. Um, okay, now we talk about the Bruins here. Um, so I expect Tory Krug to be to walk. Um, it yep. seems like everything, every comment that he's been making says that he wants a long-term deal, um, and uh, he doesn't want to. Um, and like he's been waiting for this moment. Like he's taken all these short-term deals, and that, and now he wants to be paid for what he's worth actually and and he deserves it so i hope wherever he goes um good on him it is kind of sad though because he joined the team in 2013 uh during their cup run against the blackhawks and they lost that um but like he's basically uh, he got he was inherited on the team that like just won like two years uh beforehand so like he was probably thinking like okay, I joined this team or because he was a college free agent. Um, he signs with this team because they still have a bunch of young guys um, who can make like another Stanley Cup run. Um, and then it seems like, okay, Patrice Bergeron's 35 years old. Brad Marchand's 32 years old. David Krejci's 34. You have Chara, who's 43 right now. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with Tuka Rask in the future. So, like, they're, th that's where I disagree with you. I think their window is closing, but I think it's going to be one more year before the Bruins start to completely rebuild or rebuild on the fly, which is probably what they're going to do. Um, I would call it more minor retooling yeah, because they still but, have some pieces where they don't yeah. have to fully go overboard. Yeah, and I mostly say that just because, well, first off, the Bruins don't have a ton of great prospects other than Stanika. Um, yeah. So... So there's that, and also like most of our core is um, may not be able to like have their abilities like they did uh, before. And I'm talking purely Bergeron and Marshawn and Krejci, those three in particular. Um, I'm not sure what's gonna happen with them. Good news is that uh, David Pasternak, I didn't even realize he was this young. Uh, David Pasternak's 22 years old, um, and so he, he had a career year by far, 
he's and he's not even reaching his prime if you count like averages because usually it's around like 23 24 25 so um so yeah so david pasternak oh no he's 24 years old so he's like about to hit his prime it seems um so that's um exciting um and then you have um on the defensive end of things like yeah uh, tory krug is probably going to leave um and zidane ochara's uh, future may be um in um you know maybe a mystery for now but at the same time you have charlie mcavoy who looked really good in the playoffs um brandon carlo matt grizzlick um who is going to be an rfa this year and then you have um um uh, there's another guy who was mentioning as oh as you mentioned back a nine and as well um i liked what i saw um i'm all over the place here i guess i saw out of uh stanika and kashe and i think that's i would like to see a full year out of both those guys uh to purely think uh, think it there not sure uh, jake debrusque i liked him when he's hot um but the problem is is that he gets cold too often where i i'd be okay if he's involved with a trade i know he's in a an RFA, but it appears that he's so inconsistent that I would like to see what the market is for him, um, just so that we can see what that's like. But um, I have a feeling that uh, we'll sign him, but I mean, I, I'm just worried about his inconsistencies because it's been a while now where, or it's, it's he's played enough games for the Bruins where you're like, okay, let let's see you be consistent, and um, you know, time's running out. Um, yeah, and, uh, the, the biggest concern, though, um, is Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. Uh, first off, there's those rumors that Tuka Rask is going to retire the year after. Um, Yaroslav Halak played well in the, the bubble tournament, but it seems like he really needed another goalie, um, because he gets, like, he got winded too fast, um, and he can't be a reliable starter, so, um, and not to mention he's 35 years old, so um, I'm not sure. Like, we do have Danny Vladar um, in the system. We have Jeremy Swayman as well um, and Kyle Kieser as well. So any of those guys could be good goalies, but I would I would imagine we'll see. Um, we'll probably try to get a free agent goalie um in 2021 2022 as you've mentioned before that's going to be a big year for goalie markets and i think the Bruins are going to be looking for um a free agent goalie at some point um and i doubt they would do like a 1a 1b with swayman and bladder although that would ideally be what you would want (laughs) yeah i think it would at least probably prefer one veteran um, yeah getting most of the starts there um in yeah. in the uh, for the time being uh for the 2021 free agency market if you look at the defensive pool uh, there are some decent yeah. names that if, if Krug walks you know the Bruins could try to fill the void a little bit um if the salary cap wasn't a thing but Trangelo would obviously be their number one choice but it right. doesn't work like the 1990s well, anymore so yeah and, it, and I think also if they're not if they can't afford Tory Krug they can't afford us Petrangelo so I don't think yeah. we're we're getting and they're going to have to pay McAvoy yeah. and Pasternak down the road, so True, you're going to have to think about that um, yeah. when thinking of signing Krug to that contract, which For is sure. generous. I um, think 
I th oh yeah, I mean that does bring me to the free agent stuff on who they would sign. Sammy Vadanen's the one that sticks yeah. out to me, um, and also mm -hmm. Tyler Toffoli is the other one that I I want the Bruins to get some something to a um, something that addresses their their depth roles. Uh, someone to we still need wingers for Krejci, and I think that was a big reason why the the Lightning were able to beat the Bruins in five games. Um, was because they the the lightning went out and got Blake Coleman. Uh, they had Andre Palat. They had um, they had I'm blanking on all the other guys' names, but they had a bunch of depth guys. And so, like even if Steven Stamkos is out, they're still a, a scary, scary team. Um, and I think that's what the Bruins need. And I I like Kashe, um, but I want players that are better than Nick Ritchie <laughs> and players. <laughs> Uh, and Charlie Coyle was good um, in spurts, but we need we need better depth guys because, um, like I was mentioning, Bergeron and Marshawn are pretty old. Um, Pasternak, it looked like it appeared that, or he said that he was injured all during the playoffs, and the yeah, the fact that he couldn't practice that he could, he said, affected. Yeah. It was something that he could play through, yeah. but like he wasn't a hundred percent. Right, and so. With the, all that in mind, it's like okay, so so you you get rid of the top line, and now what? You don't have anyone that can that can scare you. Um, so so that's that's where I'm like thinking like okay, maybe Tyler Toffoli, maybe we get you know Sonica something. I see here like Michael Granlin, he would be an interesting piece here. Mike Hoffman is another one, um, but um, yeah, it all depends on how much. Um, these players are going to be able to cost because I don't want to like pay like seven million for any of these guys, um, but I I hope not. But it, it could happen, I guess. See, here's the thing with with your point there. I think the other thing is, are they a good fit for the Bruins? Yep. I don't think you try and bring in someone like Tyson Berry if they don't if they don't think he's yeah. going to fit well into their scheme. So I think the fit is going to be very important. That's Bruce Cassidy point. also mentioned something about getting more deflections. And you look at Joe Pavelski, what he's done for Dallas in his playoffs, he's scoring goals. He's yep. not going bar down and just deking out guys. He's driving to the net, deflecting bucks, scoring the dirty way. Yep. Um, I think. Um, adding that kind of dimension to their offense would also be good instead of just relying on a top three power play and a top three penalty kill to do all the work for you. Um, it, it, it's definitely great that you have all those things, but um, I think that little bit of grit is something uh, that uh, the Bruins were lacking a little bit against Tampa. And, um, you know, with guys like Blake Coleman and Barkley Goudreau, um, Tampa was able to kind of – kind of beat the Bruins at their own game a little bit. And um, that's not too, too easy to do. Yeah. Um, but going back uh, to some of the defensive options, there's also names like Eric Gustafson, who had a monster 2018-19 with the Hawks. He got like 60 points. If, if uh, he's put in the right position, could do some damage there. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, because uh, Tampa is going to have to pay Sorelli and Sergachev. Um, and then they have Vasilevsky's big contract adding on to that. Might not be able to keep Kevin. So if Shattenkirk becomes a free agent, he could be someone the Bruins could target. Um, there's also Chris Tanev, TJ Brody, Justin Braun, Ben Hutton, Justin Schultz. Um, so there's a couple of cheap options on the back end where if the Bruins are 
willing to bring them on for a couple of years, they could be serviceable for them. So yeah, um, yeah, it's not like there's a gold mine of defensemen available, but there's some decent NHL defensemen that can help them for sure. Yeah, um, I think that, and also like they do have a good, a lot of young defensemen with McAvoy, um, right. Carlo, Grizzlick, um, mm-hmm. and maybe back in Iron and we'll see. Um, and Jeremy Lazan is another one too that I, I like too. So um, maybe they're not as flashy as Tori Krug was, but um, I think they could make do with with those with the that core as well. So um, yeah. But it's like Chara's a left-handed D, and um, but also Krug is as well. So yeah, that's also. So I would think left-handed defenseman if they're willing to target that, yeah. um, then probably. Um, Sammy Vanden would be a good option because yep. he can play either side of the blue line. Um, and uh, I believe Eric Gustafson can also do the same. So I mentioned those two names oh, yeah, based yeah, on cool. how they fit in on the blue line in terms yeah. of right-handed, left-handed shots. Yeah, that's why I mentioned Sammy Vanden as well. But we'll see because mm-hmm. I believe he is a left-handed defenseman. So Yeah, but if, if they yeah. don't care about wh- who goes where, they're – are quite a few options uh, for Boston to pick from. I don't know if they're going to be uh, – I think they can be a top-10 team next year, actually. I still think they can. I don't know if they're going to have a top-3 ten or top three power play and top-3 penalty yeah. kill, but I think they can still be a top-10 team. Yeah, I, I should reiterate, I don't think that the – like, I think the Bruins will make the playoffs. I just don't think they'll be as good as they were last year. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but I think they'll be like a middle tier team instead of an elite team like they were this year. Um, I yeah. hope I'm wrong, obviously, but um, but yeah, I think it's like it's it's the beginning of the end for the Bruins. Um, yeah, especially so. as they start to pay more guys as yeah. well, um, like Carlo and Grizzlick too. Yeah, um, that definitely impacts their ability to ice those depth filled rosters that they had this year and that they had the year before too. For sure. All right, um, so now we go to the playoffs here, um, and we're going to start off with the Eastern Conference, um, which is the uh, New York Islanders playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so I have a couple of storylines here, and we can go through them all, and I, I think you have some other stuff too to mention. But um, yep. <clears throat> the Islanders had a pretty much a miracle run. They were the only team – they're the only team left – that survived the qualifiers, um, which is interesting. Um, so they kind of had a miracle run into the Eastern Conference Finals, and they, you know, and if they win the Stanley Cup, they'll probably be the toughest Stanley Cup winners at all. I've kind of like I don't know if you've noticed this, Steve, but I've turned around on the Islanders. I'm I'm back on board with the Islanders. They do play a bit like they're not as flashy as all the other teams, but they are. Um, they do deserve some credit because because um, they were like shooting like no no tomorrow against the flyers um, a lot and that's just what they do to teams is they uh, they basically dismantle Tampa they dismantle their opponents um, and shoot a ton and then uh, don't sh- and uh, don't allow the other team to shoot on them um, as often so. So that's just how they do it, and uh, you have to respect it at this point. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. you look at uh, the teams they've had to go through, Florida yep. with a potent top six, Washington potent top six, Philly potent top six, yep. and now Tampa also a potent top six. 
And even without Stamkos, it's been announced yep. he's not playing in the East final period. He's out for the series. But Kucherov's available for game one. So yep. even even without Stamkos, they have, as you mentioned, they have Kucherov, they have Point, who's playing some of the best hockey in his career, and Andre Palat, who had five goals against the Bruins by himself. Right, right. Um, so... Um, so yeah, so th- that's kind of like the main storyline is, is like, will their Cinderella run uh, be end against the most rested team? It's possible. Um, we'll see. Uh, Trotz, uh, other things that I mentioned, uh, Trotz um, and Lou, who seemingly know what they, they are doing. Um, I, know, I guess it's, it shouldn't be surprising considering Trotz is like, he won the cup for the Capitals, he's the best Nashville Predators coach ever. Um, it's a miracle. It's I don't understand why the Capitals let him go. Um, and then, um, or like negotiated a new contract with him. That seemed kind of crazy. And Lou, like to his credit, he kind of like he built a good Toronto Maple Leafs team, um, or at least made it so that he like he's a part of that he was a part of that rebuild that we see right now so um so they they know what they're doing um and the Isles have made speaking of which the Isles have made it further into the playoffs without John Tavares for two uh two straight years uh Tavares hasn't even gone past the first round um whereas um whereas uh the Islanders have um, they made it to the conference finals. I also saw this stat, which is like an unbelievable coincidence. Um, and obviously Tavares probably didn't didn't know that this would happen, and you can't really tell this future. But uh, if you remember, John Tavares met with um, he met with a couple of teams uh, before he chose the Maple Leafs. Um, they were the Islanders, the Sharks, the, Dal- the Dallas Stars, Tampa Bay, and Boston. Um, and um, all five of those teams have made it to the conference finals. Um, and the Leafs haven't won a single playoff yeah. series in that time. And the Leafs haven't done that at all. So, um, of course, like, you know, Tavares um, was his, you know, Toronto was his hometown team. And you can't really fault him for that as well as the fact that Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are an incredible draw <laughs> compared to all the other teams. So it's not like he, he, um, he like purposely did that or whatever, or he just was stupid. I'm, I'm sure he, he knew those teams were really good, but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, it, it's just a funny thing or how time works like that. Um, so yeah, so we I talked about, but will their Cinderella end against the most rested team happen? We'll see. Um, yeah, and I, I kind of talked about the Islanders. I, I guess let, I'll let you talk here because I can. I have a couple more points, but let's. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking too much. Uh, what What are your thoughts on the series right now? Well, taking a look at um the history of the conference finals um the Tampa Bay Lightning are two and three all-time in the East finals this their sixth all-time conference finals appearance uh their fifth journey to the final four since 2011 oddly enough uh uh, Tampa Bay defeated the Isles twice in uh, two head-to-head matchups they did in 2004 which of course the only year they won the cup 
Uh, back in 2016, they bested New York in five games. That was a round two matchup. They go to the conference finals, force a game seven against the Penguins, and lose that game seven. Their most recent trip to the stage was 2018, where Barry Trotz and the Capitals beat them in seven games and went on to win the Stanley Cup. So Barry Trotz, that's an interesting thing. Faced Tampa in the conference finals before and managed to beat them in the seventh game. Um, so, you know, they don't, uh, Barry Trotz obviously doesn't have the Ovechkin, Carlson, Backstrom kind of firepower that he did with the Capitals, but still kind of knows what it takes to beat a Tampa Bay team that's relatively similar to the team he faced in 2018. Um, Taking a look at uh, some of the Islanders' depth players, um, they, they've been they've been pretty good, and the fact that they were able to go from you know a, a part where they were up three to one against Philly, then they lose Game Five in overtime, they lost Game Two in overtime as well, then they lose Game Six in overtime as well. So three straight overtime games they lose. But they're still able to come back, shut out the uh, the the opposing team elimination game. Second time in the playoffs, they have done that, and limit them to 16 shots is incredible. And Trotz is, I think, also pretty good at picking up when his team's in trouble. And it looked like in parts of Game Six, the Flyers were starting to get a feel of how to beat Simeon Varlamov. So what does he do? Turns to Thomas Grice in Game 7, pitches a 16-save shutout. They don't really allow the Flyers to get much of anything there. Um, I think that plays into his advantage, especially if uh, the Islanders can get on Vasilevsky's case early. Because, as you mentioned, Brett, uh, Vasilevsky's played every single minute of these playoffs. Curtis yep. McElhaney has played in a solid month. Yep. Um, months, if you include, like, game time situations. Um hasn't really played since um, since the pandemic stopped the things in March. So you look at that, and then you look at Thomas Grice, who's played twice in the Philly series. He's more fresh than McElhaney is. Um, so if, if Vasilevsky starts to struggle, all of a sudden it's advantage Islanders in that regard, right. uh, which is, is pretty good. And a lot of the Islanders' depth guys – had multi-goal performances in that series against Philadelphia. Over the course of that seven-game series, they had a lots of guys that um, that scored multiple goals. Um, Anders Lee, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, to name a few. Um, they they had a lot of guys uh, show up. Uh, um, uh, just just taking a look at their stats in round two. Lee had four goals. Pajot had three. Brock Nelson had four. Yeah, I, I was going to get to that, but yeah, I can. Andy Green had more goals than Drew and Konechny combined. Like, yeah. they were getting goals from pretty much everybody. Yep. And I think part of being a good team with the Islanders is having different guys stepping up and overcoming adversity. Yep. And to their credit, um, they've done that. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, that's a good call. I was going to pull up their stats here. So, um, Varlamov, um, Varlamov has, uh, he has a GAA of two, um, and a save percentage of 921, um, in 14 games. Grice, uh, although he only plays three games, but, 
Um, he has 1.08 GAA and a save percentage of 960, which is incredible. So, um, of course, that's only three games. But um, in terms of mm-hmm. like, and the Islanders had a yeah. the Islanders had a chance to win every single of those games he played because in game two, yeah. um, they ch- the Flyers chase Varlamov for three goals in the first period. Price yeah. comes in, the Islanders force overtime, so they have a chance to win that game. And then he pitches a shutout in Game Seven. So, yeah. like the Islanders, every single time Grace was in the net, they had a shot at winning that. Yep. Um, in terms of the uh, the forward stuff, um, Brock Nelson had the most points uh, for the Islanders this this series. He had eight points in, in these seven games. Um, and then I think there was a, oh uh, Josh Bailey was the other one who had seven assists <laughs> in seven games as well. So. Um, and Matthew Brazal, even though he like he had been nicked up and he was hit in the head by a puck a couple times in Game 7, um, so he's just been unlucky. But somehow he still has six points in seven games, which is uh, crazy. Uh, Jordan Eberle is another one who's been pretty good too um, with six mm-hmm. assists. Um, and then uh, Anthony Boulivier has also kind of been like a – it's his it's been his coming out party – um, as well as John Gabriel Peugeot. Uh, Bolivier has, um, I think, most of his points were in the previous rounds, but uh, still 12 points in 16 games is nothing to sneeze at. Um, and John Gabriel Peugeot has uh, nine points in 16 games. I, whenever I think of Peugeot in the playoffs, it's always the Peugeot, 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 Peugeot. So, um, I, I guess yeah. he's just a playoff performer now. Um. <laughs> yeah. No, he, he turns. He turns. He's kind of like a Glenn er- yeah. Anderson. Um, when it comes playoff time, yeah. the kid performs, and yeah. it just feels like this team as a whole. Like this is the first time since 1993 when I was just like a month or two old. Yep. Like can't even recall this moment. I remember like documentaries of like the year, the last year, a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup. That was the 1992-93 Canadians. They faced the Islanders in the Conference Finals that year. Before it was called the Eastern Conference Finals, it was called the Prince of Wales Conference Finals. Right. That was the final year it was called that. That's the last time the Islanders made it to the Final Four. Yep. It's crazy. They, they upset the Penguins to get there, and Lemieux had that incredible year. This is a franchise. You talk about waiting a long time. This franchise has waited forever to get to this point. And yep. prior to 2016, they had waited just for their team to win a damn playoff series. Yeah. Like 2016 against Florida. Prior to that, they hadn't won a playoff series since 93 Yeah. when they beat the Penguins. Right. So I, remember, I feel like yeah. this team has come around from like all walks of life. Um, you know, Matt Martin, Leo Komarov from Toronto kind of disposed of after um Tavares left for the island to go to Toronto and they needed to yep. shed salaries and you look at Pajot and Broussard who had a deep playoff run but Broussard's that was what the sense in 2017 and Thomas Grice who's been here for a while Josh Bailey who's been through the ups and downs as well Cal Clutterbuck as well Casey Sezikis yep a lot of the guys on this team have been through a lot of different things and they've rallied together they've become one they've become a team and when you see players come together like that anything is possible and that's what that's what makes this run so special like i think tampa has what it takes to defeat the islanders and i'll get to that later 
But like a part of me is just like, you know what? I don't want this to end. Like yeah. the Islanders, what they're doing is pretty fun. I want them to keep going. Yeah, I've, I've come around to them. And I, I remember back when they made that playoff run a couple of years ago. And I was thinking like, oh, this is a fun team. But I don't know how sustainable it will be and all that stuff. And um, yeah, it turns out that. Like, and I was thinking, like, because John Tavares was by far their best player and all that stuff, and I was just thinking, like, oh, okay, so John Tavares stirs the drink there, and clearly, I was wrong, and I mean, I'm not the only one who thought that, so, um, so yeah, it's, it's, they still have a really good team, uh, Brock Nelson has kind of come into his own this year, um, especially, so, um, and Josh Bailey's pretty underrated, I know he, he's pretty much just, he just does like the assist, yeah. but like he's an exceptional playmaker. Um, he's he's phenomenal. So um, people thought his yeah. point production was going to drop after Tavares left, including me. Yes, <laughs> and and it and it hasn't. Yeah. So um, so yeah. Um, as for the Lightning, um, yeah, we mentioned you mentioned already that Vasilevsky has started every game so far this year uh, for the, the bubble hockey as opposed to all the other teams. But uh, he's also been uh, pretty good, um, even even considering all that stuff. He's played in 13 games. Um, he's won 10 of them. Um, he has a GAA of 1.91, a save percentage of 931. Um, so, yeah, he's been pretty good. Um, of course, the team ahead of him is also in front of him, I should say. He's also pretty good, too. Um, Braden Point has 18 points. Kucherov has 16 points, as you mentioned. Palat had five goals. Um, include, so I've been looking at this, um, this list of players in terms of points um, for the second round. And, um, and Braden Point, even though he played two, point, uh, two games less than everyone else, um, he still is 11th in, in this list here, Braden Point. Um, also, Andre Palat's up here as well with seven points, uh, five goals. And I think that he, I think he's tied for most goals um, during the, the second round. Yeah, he's tied with McKinnon and Radulov for five goals um, <laughs> during this round. I don't think it's sustainable, and I would be surprised if he, he gets five goals again. Um, in this round, um, especially with how Varlamov and Grice have been, but um, I guess it could happen. We'll see. Um, Victor Hedman, he got the OT winner against the Bruins. Unfortunately, I, I have to remember that. <laughs> um, and um, and Blake Coleman's been pretty good too, and he's been a like that when I was talking about the Bruins before. Like the Blake Coleman's the perfect guy for for the, the Lightning, um, like he would be, he was a like a second and first liner for for the New Jersey Devils, but on the Tampa Bay Lightning, he's a third third liner, and um, and he can score whenever he needs to, and it's almost like, um, like yeah, they'll probably miss Stamkos, um, I would imagine they will, but um, they still will, but like, the fact that they have like Blake Coleman on the third line is kind of crazy. Um, Alex Kalorn has also been pretty good, and Yanni Gord as well. Um, so, yeah, they've all been pretty good, um, and so their depth is probably there. Um, so I guess it's now, let me just 
double check to make sure I have all the storylines here. Oh, Stamkos and Barzell. Um, Barzell played all seven games, but it looks like he's a little bit nicked up. But we'll see. Um, Stamkos hasn't played at all this um, this uh, this tourney at all. So um, maybe will this be a factor? I'm not sure. Um, Stamkos. Um, I mean, it hasn't hurt the Lightning so far. But I could see it happening where, like, the Islanders take a game and, um, and all of a sudden, and, like, Varlamov stands on its head again, um, and all of a sudden the, the Lightning just can't score because they're not shooting as much as they usually are. Um, so I could see it being a factor, um, but, but we'll see. I, I don't imagine Stamkos will play, um, again this round, but we'll see. Yeah, it's official, as I mentioned earlier. He won't play in the East okay. Final. Kucherov will, but Samkos is ruled out for the entire oh, East okay. Final. Oh, okay, so it's already official. Um, yeah, it's official, yeah. Got He's it. Not um, what's also going to be key for the Islanders, I think, is containing Tampa's special teams. Yeah. Um, something they really did well against Philly, they were perfect 13 for 13 on the penalty kill, and in six of the seven games, Philly got two power play chances or less. Some games they had just one so if you look at tampa's power play success against the bruins in round two they were doing much of nothing in games one and two and in that game three they went three for six the part of the series where they arguably kind of blew the doors wide open and turned things around in their favor so i think if the islanders stay disciplined and they don't give tampa too many chances on the power play I think that can be huge because sometimes the best power play doesn't equal power play goals. It equals power play chances that lead to a momentum shift. And I think Tampa is one of those teams that can shift the game with one power play. And if you keep them off the power play, that's one step closer to getting two points. Um, so I think being able to um, contain that and be disciplined is going to be huge. Also, New York in the final frame has outscored opponents 22 to 7. So if I'm Tampa Bay, the first 40 minutes, particularly the first 20 minutes, you really need to get on these Islanders early because if they're hanging around in the third period and they get that third period surge, you could be in for a rough one. So yeah. um, I think starting off strong, finishing off strong, and taking advantage of the power plays – are going to be really, really pivotal for Tampa Bay. But um, something tells me the Islanders aren't going to make it easy. Yeah, uh, so so Varlamov, I mean, both goalies have been amazing. Uh, both Varlamov and Vasilevsky and Grace, when he's played, um, have all been uh, phenomenal. But um, but there is something to the fact that Vasilevsky hasn't had any rest yet um, of all the players, of all the goalies who who are still in the in the we're still playing. I can't speak apparently. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, will this be a factor? I think you, you touched on it a little bit. Uh, I think it could be a factor again, if they get to Vasilevsky early and like chase him from the net, it could be, but in terms of like overall fatigue, I don't think so. Cause Tampa hasn't played since last Monday. True. So they'll have a seven days to get ready for the Islanders game. Yeah, that's good um, at the time the Islanders Flyers series was finishing up, they were already in Edmonton. So they don't have to worry about traveling to Edmonton. They've already done that. They've already settled in. So they should be nice, rested, and prepared. And there have been times where rest has actually been a curse for a team. But yep. the way that uh, Tampa's 
been able to perform in these playoffs. They're four and zero in overtime. After last year ended, I don't think uh, they're taking their foot off the gas like they did last year. Um, I think this year they're motivated and they're ready to go. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that takes us to our predictions here. Um, I want to pick the Islanders. I really, really do. Yeah. But I, I, don't, I, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I think Tampa Bay is too good. I'm going to say Tampa in seven. Tampa in seven, yeah. I think the draw ride's going to end. It's going to be Tampa in seven games. I would not be surprised if it's game seven overtime. Yeah. I really think this series is going to be that close, and the Islanders are going to give them hell. But, again, the big situations haven't faced Tampa. I don't think it'll face them this series. I think Tampa gets it done in seven. Yep, agreed. Um, I like Tampa's the only team that I don't want winning the, the cup um, this year. <laughs> But I, I, I think they're just too good right now, so I, I am gonna pick them. Um, yeah. In terms of like, in terms of like teams that you want to win the cup, the Islanders and the Stars are the easiest to cheer yeah, for. Of course, because yeah. the Islanders haven't won it since the '80s. Uh, the Stars haven't even come close to winning it since 2000 when they made it to the finals and lost. Although it's interesting because so. I've seen people on Twitter and, and like some of my league mates, they don't want Dallas or the Islanders to uh, to make it far. Um, which is like absurd to me. It's like, have you watched any is it, of their is games? Is it because they think they're too boring? Yeah, well, they think, yeah, one of them called the Dallas Stars too boring. I've heard the boring talk about the Islanders too much, which I can understand. But, like, have you watched any of the Stars games in <laughs> playoffs? It's like. <laughs> you had an undrafted player yeah. just score a hat trick in a game seven like he's Wayne Gretzky. I know. It's so like, off with an OT winner. How do you how do you think that's boring? Yeah, or like how do you like yeah, they scored like they scored like five goals against I mean sure a couple of them were against the third string against the Avalanche. So I don't expect Who that cares? to happen. It was again. against a Nathan McKinnon team. Yeah, it's a Nathan McKinnon team. It's like it's like and like they sometimes like come back from behind like that in that Calgary series too. It's just oh, like yeah. How do you think this team is boring? I, I don't understand it. Um, or And then there was another one of my league mates who said that um, that Dallas um, isn't that good. Um, like, if, if Grubauer was playing, um, the Avalanche would have been easy. And I was just like, that's also not true either. <laughs> um, so it, it would have been closer, I admit, but I don't think it would have... Mm-hmm. I, I just hate blaming like blaming injuries on it. Um on yeah. on on it. And also like a couple of the games that the Stars won was with uh Frank Hoos in net and he's been pretty good as a backup this <laughs> year too. So um it's like uh that was that was a ridiculous uh opinion by him. Um, also Miro Heiskinen, uh, have you seen oh, his yeah. point totals? Right. Like one of the highest scoring yeah. defensemen in these playoffs. Yeah. Not John Klingberg, Miro Heiskanen. Okay, so we're going to go to the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights here. Um, so Vegas is in its third season and has a pretty good chance, of the best chance, of making it to their second uh, Stanley Cup Finals appearance. However, Dallas has beaten a pretty good Calgary team and a Colorado team, as we just mentioned. And is now scoring for some reason with uh, the likes of Kiviranta, who had a hat trick in Game Seven um, and got the OT winner. Um, 
and uh, Garyanov. Um, this is imp- this is also impressive considering Sagan hasn't been scoring um, at all. Who's been their best player for for quite Jamie some time? Jamie Ben though has picked it up too. Yeah, Jamie Ben's been pretty good. Joe Pavelski has been pretty good. That um, also is there too. Yeah, you mentioned Miro Heiskanen. He leads the team in points. Uh, he has 21 points um, in these uh, in these bubble tournaments here. Um, Giryanov, I love. Um, he had, he was the only Dallas Stars player in the regular season to get 20 goals. Um, but it, it, seven it seems of those so, were power play goals. In yeah. case you forgot. Right, right. And uh, but it seems like yeah, he had like 30, 13 minutes of ice time or something like that. Um, which is incredible. Um, and yeah. now he's doing it again. He has 14 minutes of ice time during these playoffs, and he has eight goals, um, and he's tied with Joe Pavelski for the goal lead on the Dallas Stars right now in the playoffs, um, which is crazy. Um, and put in reference, I say here, because Sagan's only had two uh, goals and seven points in these playoffs. So... Uh, Garyanov, that means that Garyanov has four times as much, as many goals as Sagan has, um, which is crazy. Um, also, um, Kiviranta had more goals in one game than Tyler Sagan has goals in this playoffs. Um, I would imagine that, I wouldn't be surprised if we find out that Tyler Sagan is injured. Um, it seems like that's the only possible reason, um... But like, as you know, I believe I, love, uh, yeah. I believe a Avalanche beat writer named Adrian Adrian Dater has heard rumblings that uh, he okay. already might be. So that might explain yeah. things. Well, I, I don't know if Dater is the most reliable source because I think he, he had the well, craziest. The Stars just played the Avs, so I would True. think he's probably around some sources of the Dallas Stars. At he some might, point in the last but few like, I, I guess I'm basing it off of his his bad opinions on on hockey players. Um, but <laughs> oh yeah, right. He was yeah. the Connor McDavid. Uh, yeah, he critter, said he uh, said that Connor McDavid uh, isn't a good leader because he um, <laughs> he scores too much or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. So uh, so yeah the but anyways back to the Dallas Stars. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Anyways, even if 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 Dater is correct. I, I'm not even surprised if, uh, if Sagan um, is injured or not. Uh, as you know, that's my biggest pet peeve when players play while they're injured. Um, so I'd like to think that he's not and he's just struggling to get going. But I think if the Stars need to get going, Tyler Sagan's going to have to show up. Because um, that's the only way that I see it happening. Um, Miro Heiskanen's been unbelievable too, but... Um, I feel like Sagan has to also get going in order for the Stars to compete with with the Golden Knights. Um, And then uh, that takes... Oh, um, I forgot to do the goalie stats. Um, Kadobin has, um, in these four games, uh, 14 games um, that he's played, he's 8-5 and 0. Oh, I guess obviously he's 8-5 and 0. Um, without the OTL stuff, uh, but he has a 2.94 GAA and a save percentage of 909, um, which is much worse considering that he played against the Rantanins, the McKinnons, and the Kalmakars, and the Burakovskis, and all that, but um, he's not going to, this is going to be an even bigger test for him, because the Golden Knights, 
Oh, and I guess Bishop is still injured because I think that was one of those ones that kind of swung the, that almost swung the series because in game five they started Bishop and it looked like he's down 100%. So Kudobin's probably going to have to be carry this team uh, to the finish line um, for, for the Stars, um, which is unfortunate because Bishop's, like even if Bishop is at his highest form, that's going to, that's gonna uh, change the series as well, but because uh, he's he's better than Kudobin when healthy. Um, as for the Golden Knights, um, Robin Leonard's been fantastic. Uh, he has a nine eighteen save percentage and a goals against average of one point nine nine, so basically two. He's he's eight four. He's eight and four. Um, as for the the skaters, uh, Shea Theodore is an it's the other defenseman who leads the team in points. Um, Shea Theodore has sixteen. Mark Stone has fifteen points um, in these playoffs. Riley Smith has been pretty good too with thirteen points. I think I mentioned this last week, but Alex Tuck has like he had he had a goal streak, but it ended. But um, I think he scored like an empty netter the other day. Um, so he has 10 points in, um, in these playoffs, eight of them were goals. Um, in terms of points in the second round, we have Shea Theodore, um, who had, uh, nine points in the second round, uh, that puts him third on this list. Miro Heiskanen also had nine points, so they're both tied for third. Um, here, Jamie Ben's been good too with nine as well. So that's all three of them have tied for, for third in points. Um, and then you also have De- Denny Garyanov has eight. Uh, Radulov has eight as well. Um, and I think that's about it in terms of. Oh, Mark Stone has seven. Um, yeah, so. So yeah, that's that's quite a list here. Um, let's go down here. So yeah, Kimonta, I already mentioned, he had an incredible Game 7. The last person to have a Game 7 in the playoffs, uh, Game 7 hat-trick in the playoffs was in 1993 with Wayne Gretzky. So he's in good company there. Um, yeah. He's basically Gretzky. That, that's what we're saying. And if you're wondering who that came against, the Toronto Maple Leafs, because of course. Yep. Um, it does make me wonder, though, like, because this was, like, Kiviranta's one of his first games. I feel like you have to play him now. Like, you have to. He had a hat-trick um, in Game 7. Yeah, Maybe it won't I, think, work, I think Bonus says, well, yeah, I think I think probably deserves yeah. a, at least another crack. So yeah, yeah. I think at some point in this series you'll see him. For sure. Um, other storylines um, to get to, Leonard and Kudobin are due for a raise in the offseason. Um, because they're both UFAs and they've been carrying their teams, or not carrying them, but they've been um, the starting goalies for for both those teams, and they're both pending UFAs, so that'll be fun. Um, we can talk about that in a coming episode. Uh, Riley Smith also played for both teams, which is interesting as well. Um, and then I asked, are the Stars for real? Um, I think it's interesting with the Stars team, because if like when they had when they were under Lindy Ruff, they were an explosive offense. Um, their defense could use could have used some work, um, but their goalie was okay. Um, and then 
when they had Mon- Montgomery, um, it was the opposite. Their defense was really, really good with, um, you know, Heiskin and, and Bishop was, like, at a Vezina level. Um, and But their offense just wasn't getting going. And it's interesting how Rick Bonus has... Bonus, I think, is is his name. But no, it's Rick Bonus. Oh, it's Bonus. Right the first time. Um, it's it's interesting how like Rick Bonus has kind of like combined both the defensive abilities and the offensive abilities, and I think so. It's like we've seen this happening for like the Stars, where they have really good offense and really good defense, but they haven't put it together yet until these playoffs, and um, so I think. That's how they're going to be able to beat the Vegas Golden Knights is if they have really good offense and really good defense. I know this is that's the most obvious thing ever, but um, I really think that's how it's going to happen. Uh, Sagan should be their best player. He needs to step up, as I've mentioned before. Um, and yeah, so uh, before I get to my predictions, let's go to you about um, what's your take on this series. Well, I'll start by saying Vegas is lucky to be alive because as good as they played in games 5, 6, and 7 against Vancouver, they almost got eliminated. True. And if they think their performance against Vancouver is going to be enough against the Dallas Stars, sorry, it won't. Well, So they need, they, they need to raise their game one to, point to that. an extra I, level, I think. Can I mention one point to that? Because, um, yeah. like, Vegas, I, I felt like watching that series, Vegas was, like, they had, they were shooting the hell out of that puck. Um, like <laughs> there were times when Vancouver just wasn't even uh, shooting at all, so I I feel like that had more to do with just like they were getting unlucky um, and Dem like just hadn't figured out Demco, um, but yeah I think I I, th- I think they've the the of the four teams I think Vegas is the best of the four teams right now. See, and my counter argument is, um, I think it was either game five or six where they got, where Vancouver scored uh, against Robin Leonard and Vegas had around like 40 shots and uh, Jesse Granger, Vegas beat writer said, you know what the difference is between the 40 plus shots Demko faced and the one that just beat Leonard? Leonard didn't see the shot. So I think with a goaltender like Anton Udovan, like any other goaltender, if he's on this kind of a role, which Udovan has been all playoffs, he was solid against Colorado. He was solid against uh, Calgary as well. If he can see that puck, more often than not, he's going to stop it. So you need to really get in his kitchen. I think Vegas needs to do a bit more of that. And you saw in the game-winning goal in Game 7, there was traffic in front, and it finds its way through Demko. So I think you need to make life a little bit tougher for Udovan um, in order to – really get your groove offensively um i think if if udobin is on a roll and he's in a rhythm he's feeling the puck a lot and he's in his zone it's going to be tough to get him out of it so they need to find a way to in that sense um get him off his game a little bit and i think that'll translate into more goals um i think eventually you know their plan of attack was going to work but um i think they really need to help themselves and get Hudobin and the Stars out of their groove early, particularly in the first period. Because if you look at um, the first period, a goal differential for the Dallas Stars, it's uh, not that great, I believe. They've been outscored 21-14 to 14 in period one during these playoffs. 
So Vegas needs those strong starts. And Vegas has been a very good third-period team. And they showed it in round robin against Dallas. They used a big outburst in the third period to come back from behind and beat the Stars. So um, I think strong starts, strong finishes is what Vegas um, will need. They don't have Ryan Reeves for game one. That's a tough loss, but it's only for game one. So when Ryan Reeves is on the ice, that fourth line is also going to be pretty pivotal, especially when you consider that Dallas has Corey Perry. And he's going to be in your face like he was the previous two rounds as well. So that's going to be a good good counter um, for Vegas there. And I think, as I mentioned uh, in the in the series leading up to against Vancouver, goaltending is going to be huge. And Robin Leonard's had his moments. He he had some moments uh, in Game Three, I believe it was, when he made 16 saves in the first period against the Canucks. Um, I think this is going to be his series to shine. And if he doesn't, um, the Golden Knights are going to be in deep trouble. And I think the thing that Vegas has going for them is players that have been in this situation before max patch ready with montreal been to the conference finals mark stone with ottawa been to the conference finals um you look at uh, a lot of the vegas players that were there in 2018 when they went to the conference finals they're going back to the conference finals again even paul stasny who wasn't on vegas he was on winnipeg in 2018 with the jets he made it to the conference finals recently so that recent conference finals experience, um, especially behind the bench with Pierre DeBoer, believe it or not, this is, I think, his fourth conference finals. And he's been in the league for, like, since 08-09 in his debut season with Florida. So even he's been in the conference finals multiple times. So I think that recent conference finals experience uh, goes Vegas's way. Doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win the series, but it definitely gives them an advantage heading into game one. Right. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Pavelski has also been pretty good, too. For Oh, for yeah. Stars. Speaking of guys that have been to conference finals, um, Dallas has him. Yep. So. And Corey Perry, too. And so. the former coach of the Sharks, uh, DeBoer, is the biggest coach now. So Right, um, exactly. So it's like a Pavelski if you look and at DeBoer. His, if you yeah. look at his playoff resume, like, the past, like, five or six years. Yeah. He's been to the conference finals three times, and this is the third team he's taken to the conference finals. Yep. Uh, the Devils in his first ever NHL playoff appearance, and the Stars in his first year with the uh, uh, sorry, his first year with the Sharks, he did the same thing. Yep. His first year with the Golden Knights, he could take them to the finals. Like how many coaches in NHL history, first year they've been with a new team, they've taken them to the finals in their first year. It's pretty crazy. Not yeah. easy to do. Yeah, I feel like Torts usually does that, or um, um, where like the first year in the with a team they they go far, but not this far. Mm-hmm. Not um, this far, no, yeah. no. Like this is yeah. this is next level territory. The other and, one that um, I was thinking about that uh, that sometimes happens is Guy Boucher. Um, like he's he's yeah. taken the ta- the the Lightning far, the Ottawa Senators far. I think there's another team too that he's he's taken fire um the unfortunate the part is after the apart. first year it slowly starts to regress yeah with yes. DeBoer it hasn't no that's true um yeah and I guess there's a reason why Boucher hasn't uh found another job yet um yeah. the, the, I will say though um before we head into the predictions panel sure 
massive massive shout out to rick bonus the interim coach of the stars and this is why i a part of me wants dallas to win he has been an nhl head coach prior to this year he has been an nhl head coach for nine seasons his nhl team has missed the playoffs eight times in those nine seasons prior to this Mm -hmm. year he was the first head coach in ottawa senators history and got put through the ringer got fired after a couple of horrendous seasons record wise goes to the new york islanders also fired mid-season in 0304 he briefly calls the shots for the phoenix coyotes uh in those non-playoff campaigns his highest win total in a campaign was 22 that was with the islanders in 97 98 after 63 games as mentioned fired by the, the team and the one season his team made the playoffs, Brett, was in 1991-92 with the Boston Bruins. That team went 36-32-12, and 12, finished second in their division, outlasted Buffalo in seven games, round one, swept the Habs in round two to punch their ticket to the conference finals, where they got swept by the Penguins, who then went on to win the Stanley Cup. Yep. That's the only time prior to this year he has ever been in the NHL playoffs as a head wow. coach until this year in Dallas. And there have been a couple of assistant gigs. He went to the Vancouver Canucks around uh, the mid 2000s there. And they had several playoff disappointments at the hands of Anaheim, San Jose, Chicago, LA. And um, of course, to your Bruins in the 2011 finals. Then he goes to Tampa Bay to join John Cooper and his coaching staff. They go to the finals. Chicago once again ruins everything in 2015. Uh, his journey ends in 2018 after the Caps knocked them out of the Eastern Conference Finals, and now he's here. You talk about guys that have waited a long time. Rick Bonus's first coaching job was in 88-89 with Winnipeg, with the original Winnipeg Jets. This guy has waited forever just to get to this point again. He's waited like 27, 28 years. This could be his best chance, like in his 60s, his best chance to win the Cup as coach. Um, I would be perfectly fine if the Stars won the Cup for this reason, and that would be Rick Bonus winning the trophy finally after all these years. So yeah, I um, didn't realize. Just, I, just my two cents. A part of me wants Rick Bonus to win. <laughs> I didn't realize that he had all that, um, all that stuff already. Um, so, mm-hmm. so that's crazy. I mean, I I am the. By the way, I think I mentioned this off the air, but I guess officially on the air. Um, the, the stars are my bandwagon team here. So, um, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, but I guess, um, there's that cause Kudobin and, and Sagan were former Bruins and I've always liked yeah. the stars too. So, um, so yeah, but, um, but, uh, so, so now it's time for predictions here again. I want to say Dallas, I, as I just mentioned, I'm really rooting for them. I, I don't think I can do it, <laughs> but I think it's going to be a close series, um, and like all all the games are going to be tight. So I'm going to go with Vegas and seven. Vegas and seven. Um, yeah, I can I can see Dallas um, once again winning this series, um, but I think the depth on Vegas is just too much, and Vegas and seven is my prediction. It might need overtime again like uh the eastern series we were talking about but um i think um i think vegas and seven is my prediction but uh 
again, for Rick Bonus' sake, hopefully I'm wrong. Although, I mean, if Vegas wins, you have Mark Stone, so. <laughs> yeah, Mark Stone, Robin Leonard Robin are Leonard's gonna another be one, yeah. going to the Stanley Cup Finals, which I will also really, really like to see. But The Stars have, um, what's his face, Bishop? And then, Bishop, uh, yeah. The Islanders have uh, Peugeot. I think there's another one that I'm seeing on the that where former sons. Broussard is also on the Broussard. That's too. the other one I was thinking of. Um, as for former Bruins, I said Sagan and Kadobin. Um, I don't think the Bru- the Knights have any form. Oh, Riley Smith. Riley Smith. <laughs> um, yeah. Islanders have Boychuk. Yeah. Right. T- Tampa has any former Bruins or Sens. Um. If you count Mike Condon as Tampa's <laughs> roster, then uh, yeah. yeah, he counts. I'm, but, I, I don't uh, count that now. Um, so, so yeah, but um, but yeah, which is interesting because they're they're in the division of the Bruins in the yeah. sense. But uh, yeah, so so it should be fun. Um, still, I I look forward to this. Um, both series. Um, it should it should be fun. Um. Yeah, I know it's not the Avalanche and the the Vegas Golden Knights and the Lightning yeah. and the um, the Flyers, but um, it should still be fun um, to. Yeah, let's let's face it. I'm sure everyone wanted Colorado Vegas in the in, this, in the conference finals. Yeah. So that's what I wanted heading into round one as well. But um, that this could this could still have the makings of a classic um, because again, Dallas has shown they can hang with the best of them and they. They've beaten the best too. They've beaten yeah. two really good teams with a lot of top six depth. Um, they're going to be up against a team with probably the best top six depth, the best fourth line in hockey. But um, I, I think they've proven to everyone and to themselves that nothing's insurmountable for them. So I'm yeah. looking forward to see what they can do. Yeah, and I, it's funny too because they're not even the underdog of the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I, the mean, I mean, they're are. probably like. They're, they're, they're probably a hybrid, actually. Yeah. It's like they're a very good team in the division, but I think when people looked at the round robin and now they're playing, they're just yeah. like, gee, I don't even know if they can win a playoff series. But right. they, they found their game at the right time. This this For is sure. How they're playing right now is how we expected them to play once the season All year. started. Yeah, October. that's true. Um, and also, um, well, it's also the other thing is, is like they they took the they they got the round robin spot. They were the fourth uh, seed in the round robin, but then it's like it felt like the Oilers were playing better than the Stars, um, so like they could have been reversed. But um, I don't know. I guess I guess it's it's it it worked out for them. So and not yeah. for Edmonton. Um, all right, let's get going. Um, our, our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Em Up. Um, you can catch us on SoundCloud, iTunes, um, and that's it. Um, I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 236 of the Lace Em Up Podcast.